Extraordinary Unplugged, a podcast for people looking to create bigger, braver, more meaningful lives, people who are prepared to do what it takes to make it happen. I had to go back to the drawing board and look at inspiration from introverts and think, well, where are they? Where are these people that will give me inspiration to show me what it could be like? This week, I invited Sally to join me. Her story of being an introvert in an extroverted world, spending years and years trying to extrovert and being exhausted as a result, and then finally learning what it meant to be a truly powerful introvert. This is, this is a session for introverts and extroverts because we really need to start embracing difference and accessing our full power. Tell me, who are you so that everybody listening can get a sense of who Sally is? I'm Sally Bashan. I'm Head of Data and Analytics in Real Assets in Aviva Investors. But I guess that's not the bit you want to hear about who I am. Um, I'm an introvert. I am someone who likes big challenges and fixing big problems, though. And I like to take on a new challenge all the time. And if things get a bit dull, that's exactly what I do. I make up a new challenge and start to find something exciting to do. So... I guess my colleagues would say that I'm quite relentless in uh, finding new things to do and deliver. What would your family say? They would say that I'm probably quite funny, which not everyone sees, I guess, if uh, if you're an introvert, they don't always see it, but unconventional, I guess, quirky, I've been called in a nice way. And um, I like to keep learning and keep moving. And my family, um, obviously, very supportive in, in what I do but they're probably always thinking oh what, what is this now what new thing is she starting now so Sally I asked you on the podcast for a very specific reason because I know through the work we've done at Ivy House that you've been to use a, a term you don't like been on a journey <laughs> around um finding your full strength as an introvert in in a very yeah. extroverted world I mean there's no doubt about it we've moved to a world where extroverts tend to be more noticed, more applauded, um, you know, the ones that speak up and constantly put their hands up and constantly volunteering and all the rest of it. And I know that plays out in school, in universities, and very much in the workplace. So it's a very important message, as I see it, for both the introverts and the extroverts out there, that we don't all have to show up in the same way, that we still have a heck of a lot of value to bring. So the reason I asked you on was to talk us through the process you went through and really, as I say, to educate extroverts and to inspire introverts to find their voice and their full strength in this very loud world we all live in. Speaking as an extrovert, I know I make it louder. So <laughs> I don't know where you want to start with your story. I guess you've got to start when I was at school, um, because as you just described, as an introvert, I was very quiet. So I wouldn't put my hand up in the class. I wouldn't speak out. Um, if we had to do a presentation or something like that, I would really panic. Um, and the more that you kind of pushed into doing those things, the more you kind of retreat and and try and avoid it I guess and I had uh, an older sister who was only 11 months older and she's an extrovert so I just let her do all the talking and and all of the kind of pushing and and moving forwards when I was younger. So what was the impact on you at school? Were you happy not speaking up not putting your hand up what 
What what did it make you think about who you were? I kept quite quiet and everything, you know, in the lessons, it would all be in my head. So I knew that I knew the work and I could do the work, but I always considered myself kind of a B student. I put that limiter on myself, I guess, because I never thought I could be any better than a B student because I wasn't going to be the one to speak up and ask the questions. So you're, you're not asking the questions, you're not increasing your knowledge necessarily in the way that you should be doing. So it does limit you quite a bit, I feel, um, being quiet and not having an environment where you can speak up. And can I ask, at that time when you felt you didn't have the courage to put your hand up or ask the question that you wanted to ask, what was, I, I don't, you might not remember this, but what was going mm-hmm. through your head? What was your fear if you put your hand up or asked the question? What, what fear was running through your head at the time? Oh, no, I absolutely remember. It would be that I'd got something wrong, that I'd missed something, that I hadn't understood something and that I was going to look completely silly if I uh, said anything. Um, so it was more a worry. So I would think of the answer in my head, wait till someone else had said it and they go, yeah, I got that right, that's fine. But I wouldn't be the one to say, this is what I think, just in case I got it wrong. Because this fear of failing, yeah. fear of getting things wrong is massive for, for all sorts of people, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if there's someone louder who wants to do it for you, then let them t- let them do it and then you can just check it out as long as you know you got it right. That that was my thought process. I'm interested. Do you still have that fear of speaking up? Yes, I'm still working on it. So just even recently, um I've got a fantastic um manager or director who I've been working with for the last three years. And I would sit in an SLT and think, well, all these guys know what they're talking about. Um, they're all really good in their field. Um, they're amazing with how they, uh, how they work. Um, if I say something, I might get it wrong. Um, so I'd wait till the end. And then I'd email the manager and say, well, this is what I thought. And he was like, Sally, you're being ridiculous. Why are you emailing me afterwards? Why can you not talk up in the meeting? Um, and I think it was still that fear of getting it wrong or saying something silly. Does this ever play out for you? You have such a fear of getting something wrong that you don't speak up or ask a question. This kind of fear gets in the way not only of our learning, but also of being seen. It's based on a belief that it's so important to be right, if we can't be right, we'd rather not say anything at all. Until we get rid of this belief, then we're going to continue to get in our own way. I obviously knew how the workplace worked or what, how I thought the workplace worked and um, you could see all the extroverts, you could see the people getting on and I think the introverts were probably hidden to me, I probably didn't see them at all, um, I just saw the extroverts and how they um, made their way through their working careers and then thought well that's what you have to do. So I kind of set up this framework in my mind I guess of this is what you have to do and this is what you have to be and then worked as hard as I could to make myself into that kind of image of, you know, you're not afraid to do presentations, you do put your hand up, you do speak up. And obviously I didn't do it very well (laughs) because that's not who I am. Um, But that's the template I kind of created and the structure I put in place to make my way through, I guess. And how did that feel? Well, I didn't really realise it at the time. You don't realise, you just think you're doing the right things. And I always achieved what I wanted to achieve. So each year I'd want some big achievements. You know, I'd want to have a big impact with what I was doing and deliver everything that I needed to do. And I always got really good feedback of um, outperforming and high performing. And um, every time that it got a bit quiet, I'd do something else like a new qualification or, you know, move house, (laughs) something like that. So to me, it felt like I was achieving everything 
that I wanted to achieve by working to this framework and making sure that I was as extrovert as I could possibly be. So it felt successful. And of course, there is something about being introverted and still needing to learn to communicate with the world. Yes. Yeah. Because introversion isn't about not communicating. And I think that's the really important thing. It often gets caught up with introversion is about being quiet and not speaking up and all the rest of it. But actually, introversion is about we get our energy inwardly rather than outwardly. Yeah. So we need quiet time. We need to collect our mind. And extroverts generally get their energy from interacting with lots of other people. So we always noted at the end of our programs that because clearly there's lots of people on them that the extroverts will be buzzing at the end of the day and the introverts will be just give me a dark room and a bed. I need to lie down. That's exactly it, yeah. But it doesn't mean that you don't show up to the day. No, no, but it does mean that you don't necessarily create your working environment to be the best for you. So I would go to all the meetings. I would say yes to everything. I would never say no. I would fit it in somehow and I would just relentlessly join in anything that was thrown at me. I'd volunteer for everything. And that was exhausting. But at the time, you think, well, that's what you need to do because you don't get promoted, you don't get the opportunities if you don't, you know, throw yourself in there. Um, So it's more about the way that you're doing it, I guess, rather than, you know, that you're obviously you're communicating. Obviously, you want to. You want to have those deep conversations and those relationships and those connections. And one of my values is connections. Um, It's just how you're doing it. So tell me then when you're sort of, I don't know, realization began that actually if you connected with what works for you, you could be even more powerful. Talk me through what happened. And I, as I'm sure it was a whole series of different realizations. Yeah, I think um, I was in one role for quite a long time, 12 years. Um, and I was getting really frustrated that I wasn't moving on and I wasn't um, progressing career-wise specifically. I loved the role. It was absolutely fantastic. But something was nagging me that something was missing and I almost had to break it because I loved the role so much I was willing to put up with it and stay for an awful lot longer than I should have done Um, and I was afraid I wouldn't find anything better so I had to break it and throw myself into a new role that I had no idea how to do because I knew I knew there was something missing I knew all the technical details were there all the technical ability to do the job was there but in leadership and in communication styles and everything else the people who I was working with weren't going to teach me that. They weren't, you know, I wasn't going to learn from that. So I finished that job and threw myself into my current business area, which is investments, which I knew absolutely nothing about. Um, and But there was a leader in that in that business area that I thought, well, they can teach me. They're, they're really good at this. So I followed the job. I followed the leader rather than the job. Um, and sure enough, that's kind of where it started. Um, and just before I went on um, one of the courses, on the ELP course, um, I was getting a lot of feedback of, you don't give enough, you don't, you don't give us enough. And I was like, I can't give you any more. I don't know what you mean. I don't, I don't know what this is. What more do you want? And do, do you know now what, it, what they were asking for? Yeah, I think there were so many barriers of how I communicated that it all kind of kind of joined together at the same time. There was, you know, specific ways in which I was telling people things, but not really going the whole the whole way. So I wasn't being vulnerable in how I communicated. I wasn't kind of telling them really all about me. So the question at the beginning, who are you? If they asked me that, I'd tell them my CV. I, I'd, I would tell them what I did. I wouldn't tell them who I was. Um, and that was kind of 
a bit from the job that I had and a bit from the framework that I'd built up that I needed to be a specific way over all those years that kind of accumulated in the, I don't know how to do this then. You know, I throw my hands up in the air. I don't know how to do it then. So what happened then? You started, you started, it sounds like, becoming more conscious about how you gave of yourself to the people you were working with. Yeah, because I, at that point, I think you, well, I was thinking, well, I need to be more extrovert. They're asking me to be more extrovert. So I can't be more extrovert because that's my limit after the all these years in working in a corporate environment. That is my limit of what I can do in an extrovert, um, as an extrovert. So I had to go back to the drawing board and look, you know, look at inspiration from introverts and think, well, where are they? Where are these people that, you know, will give me inspiration to show me, you know, what it could be like? Um, so it's literally going back as an introvert. I go back to books most of the time. So it's literally going back to books. And I read Quiet by um, Susan Cain. And it was just a moment of realisation of like, no wonder I'm so bad at this. This is not what I am. So it was more thinking about, well, how do I change things? You know, how do I make my working week work for me? So I will do meetings, you know, as much as I need to Monday to Thursday, but I need Friday to myself. I need quiet time, I need headspace, I need to be able to put my thoughts in order and actually organise for the next week. So even as basic as that. Sally is giving us so much here. Firstly, she actually listened to the feedback. So many people don't do that. And then she did something. She read books, she learned about what was going on. And she realized firstly that she was trying to be something that she wasn't. And then secondly, that the way she was working was weakening her, not strengthening her. This kind of ownership is rare. What feedback are you not hearing right now? What are you not doing about it that could be changing life for yourself and those around you? That's what true ownership looks like. What other examples have you got of changes that you made? I think in, in the situation with the meetings where I wasn't speaking up, um, where I was thinking I needed to say something fantastical or amazing or just stop the room, <laughs> you know, I had to learn again that actually sometimes it's just a conversation, you know, and you're afraid of this big thing of speaking up because you want to say something that everyone just listens to and thinks, oh yeah, that's right. And someone told me, one of the um, ladies I met um, in legal, um, she said to me, if if you're landing a point every time, you're not trying hard enough. You shouldn't land the point every time because you're not going up to the limits of what you can do. You should get it wrong sometimes. And that was kind of a big moment, I guess, to think, well, actually, it's okay to get it wrong. Um, it's okay to speak up, get it wrong, and, and then just have a conversation. And I think that realisation that everyone is just having a conversation. They have li- different levels of knowledge, but you've all got the wisdom. You can all add value in a different way. Um, so it's finding out where your value is and, and what you can add to the conversation as opposed to providing the answer all the time, I guess. Mm, I love that. What else? I think um, I've learned as much from people in higher positions as I have from people all through the business. So one of the main things that I was taught that stopped me in my tracks at one point was I said, I'm not creative to um, a lady I worked with. I'm not creative. Yeah, that's not me. I'm very logical, not creative at all. And she just said, oh, yeah, but creativity takes time, doesn't it? And I just stopped and thought, and thought, yeah, well, I'm not creative because I never do it and I never spend any time doing it. You know, I'm always working to this framework of like the next thing and the next task and the next task. And it's relentless. And because I don't give myself that space to think in the headspace, I also don't give myself space for an awful lot of other things. 
So I guess where you are really badly being an extrovert, you're missing out on all the things you could do really well because you haven't set your life up to the way that it should be to actually work for you. So you can then explore all the other things that you could be doing, whether that's creativity or learning something new, whatever it is, you need to give yourself the space for it. And what about when you are communicating with people then? Do you have to force yourself to tell them more about you? Is that a new habit that you formed? I think I always did on a one-on-one basis. I'm I'm fine one-on-one. I like conversations one-on-one because I don't like um, small talk. I find it, ter- you know, it's just the worst thing for me. Um, and I like to form a, a, a deep bond and an understanding and loyalty with a person straight away. I'm pretty much all in straight away. So I think the challenge for me has been on a bigger forum, so in team meetings and things like that, um, it's how to communicate to the audience so they know who you are and um, what you're about, you know, without kind of shutting off and going back to that kind of what you do. And did that take some practice at some times? Yeah, it's absolutely practice. So when I've done a presentation before, you get a lot of advice and people will say, oh, you can't, you need to just do it naturally in the moment. The, thought, the words will come to you. No, they don't. No, they don't. The last one I did, I practiced in my car. This tells you it was a little while ago. On the commute to work for two months, every morning, the same phrases, the same phrases, so that when I got there, it would just come out. And it, I would, didn't get it right until the very end, until the moment I was doing it in front of the audience. But when I think back to when I learned guitar as a child, I would not learn the music on the page. I would learn by the sound, and then I would learn it by memory, and then I would be able to play it perfectly by memory. So it's just working out how you communicate and how you do it effectively. And everyone could tell you different ways of doing it, but it's how do you do it? I love that example, Sally, um, because the truth is for some people, the words might just come out and they might land perfectly well. For the majority of us, that's not true. You know, I do a lot of public speaking. I do a lot of keynotes and people are always going, oh, it's easy for you because you can just jump up on stage and talk about it. And I say, no, no, no. I write every single speech I do. And I practice and I practice, you know, I, I record it and I listen to it on my dog walk so that I am actually recreating the neural pathways in my brain so that I know which phrase comes after each phrase. So I think the skill that you've just talked about is is to actually the knowledge is don't assume just because you can't do it straight off the bat that you can never do it. I always talk to people, people say, well, I'm not very good at that. Well, I'm always like, well, how much have you practiced? How much time have you spent being good at that thing? Because if anything is important to us, we have to put the time in. You know, I've read literally, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books about human development because it's something that I want to be really good at. I have been on countless courses, listened to countless TED Talks, because it matters to me. And we can't, and I think that's interesting because you you know, because you and I have had this conversation before, but people often come and go, well, I'm, I'm shy. And I'm like, well, no, you're just choosing shy habits all the time. You've got this idea about yourself. We can learn to do something. And what I'm loving about what you're talking about is there's two parts to this, I think. One is you've created your life to serve you in terms of what works for you. So you know that introverts, and I'm gonna say this again because I think it's really important, it's not that introverts don't communicate. They can be some of the most powerful communicators in the world. But actually, 
they might not shout about it, <laughs> you know. So you're choosing to speak in a way that works for you, but you've also created a working week that allows you to get the rest you need, to get the mind space you need, to do the thinking, so that you're not constantly on your, you know, on performing, I suppose. Yeah. But the other thing is you've learned to do some practices which say when there's an important thing that I have to learn about, I'm going to practice. And I think I do that even on a on a macro level, on a, on a daily basis until it's a habit. So every meeting that I go to, I will have prepped and really looked at what am I trying to say? What are my key points? What, what do I need to communicate in that meeting? Because otherwise, in the moment, as an introvert, I know I won't force myself necessarily to speak up. It'll be easy to cop out, won't it? It'll be easy to go, yeah, I just, I'm not sure. Any excuse, I'll say, oh, I couldn't get in, there were too many people talking. Any excuse up there, I'll, I'll sit there quietly, especially on Zoom and with the microphone and the camera off. It's almost like you're not there. So introverts can completely disappear from meetings because they're just listening. And they'll listen and, you know, take it all in and probably come back with something great later. But in the moment, at the time when you could actually develop that conversation and keep it going and take it down a completely different path, you're missing that diversity of thought. So I deliberately force myself to say, right, these are the three points or I am going to say something. I don't care what it is, but I will say something just to get myself in the conversation to then. It's like when people do a, a, a talk and then there's questions and answers at the end and one person has to speak up and then the floods come in but until that first person does it's almost like a mini version of that until I get that first question in I won't jump in um, but as long as I know that about myself then I can prepare for that. Would it be okay to just spend a few minutes on the reoccurring fear of getting something wrong when we speak up? It's a journey or it's it's a it's a thing that exists for everyone, introverts and extroverts. It's not it's not yes. but it plays out more with introverts because they are less in the habit of speaking up at times. Yeah. So you say it's something that you you're always trying to improve and trying to get over. Tell me what goes through your head. Let's say you are in a meeting that you're not prepared for and you do want to say something. What goes through your head at that moment? I always think I've missed something. Have I have I not heard something? Have I missed something? Is what I'm going to say ridiculous? It's got to add value. So in that moment, I'm thinking it needs to be something really in-depth and insightful. Um, and if I don't say something in-depth and insightful, then it's not worth saying at all. So keep quiet. And what will it mean if you say something that isn't perfect? I just think I'm just... I think my biggest worry is that I like to think I'm intelligent and if I say something silly I'm not going to look very intelligent and that people will judge me. So what happens is is we're scared of being judged and we're scared of being judged because we're hanging on to the belief that our only value is if we have the perfect thing to say or the in, the you know the the wow thing or the in, super intelligent thing or the thing that nobody else has thought about. And it goes back to a bit of the advice that you you were given is actually creativity happens in the conversation. So we build and we develop through conversation. And one of the things that people miss out a lot is one of the most powerful things in conversations is questions, is, is actually going, I may have missed something, but what is what, what I'm worrying about or wondering about is this. Yeah. So there's a technique there we can use, which is around actually asking questions to allow people a bit of space and time to think. But also there's this consciousness of, the habit, habitual thinking that you're hanging out with in those instances. And obviously, I know you would have done a lot of work on this when you were on the Ivy House programme, but actually 
being conscious that you're just holding on to thinking that isn't helping your behavior in that moment. Have you ever tried that in the moment? Yeah, I, I will interrupt the thought process because it's so relentlessly there. I have to interrupt it. It'll be there every time to, to actually add something. And I think it's just that breaking through once you've started the conversation. And you think to yourself, well, have you ever laughed at anything anyone else has said when they've asked a question? No. Have you ever judged them because, you know, they they have asked a question that seemed a bit silly or they've missed something no in fact it happened the other day in in a meeting someone said oh you know I think we need to discuss this and they said oh you you just missed out at the beginning but we did discuss it Um, and no one laughed or you know thought anything worse of the person of course they didn't so it's just reminding yourself and and even if they do laugh well sometimes they do (laughs) but not in not in not at you (laughs) no there's something there's something around being perfectly imperfect isn't there that as human beings we're not set up to be perfect. We're not set up to have all the answers. We weren't born with all the answers. And the only way we're gonna learn and develop and acquire knowledge and experience is by engaging and asking questions. So I think there's needs to be this level of consciousness that the more we hold on to thinking that is, if I don't say the perfect thing, it's not worth speaking then we're just keeping ourselves stuck. Now, what you've done so brilliantly is created a practice, a habit of, right, I I know I've prepared something I'm going to say and I'm going to get it done early so that I've started talking. And I think that's a brilliant piece of advice. But I think the other thing I want people to be conscious of is that that behavior, that feeling of fear and the behavior that comes from it is only ever coming from your thinking. It's coming from nothing else just your thinking. And you could be hanging on to thinking that is night and day from the thinking you're hanging on to. Yeah. And I think also you've got to remember, I mean, one of my strengths is my curiosity. So the reason I get a lot of the kind of opportunities that I get and the promotions, it's all curiosity. So to me, it's just the learning value that I have is me asking, you know, well, hang on a minute, I want to know about this or I want to know about that. And sometimes going into a meeting where you don't know what they're talking about, you're a bit lost on, you know, or you think you've missed something. It, those questions of, well, can you just explain this to me? Or, you know, that curiosity and learning, use it as a learning exercise as opposed to having to deliver a piece of information that has all the answers because that's what kicks off other people's thinkings and that's when they bounce off each other. So actually that's one of the most powerful things you could bring to the conversation. And I actually think, and I think you've demonstrated this through this conversation, that you observed your situation. You realized that you were sort of living in a way that wasn't working for you. And you went out and you read and you learned and you listened. You've quoted, I think, two or three people that have given you advice over the years that really made you stop in your tracks. The only reason you were able to do that was you actually listened to them and you actually went away and you thought about it and you put it into practice and you've created some whole new skills. So actually recognizing that talent to be the observer of what is going on and then learn and take action as a result is really powerful. And for those people that are too busy talking over others, you know, whatever they might be doing and not spending the time and space to sit and reflect. So, you know, some of the most powerful meetings I've been is, is when the quieter person in the group pipes up with something that nobody has thought about. 
And they, uh, up until that me- point in the meeting, they've been sitting there listening, observing, reflecting, thinking. And we all need that power in our teams. But that's also why you then think that being the quiet person that does that, because that's what I do, I listen, and then I come in and everyone's go, oh yeah, I didn't think of that. Then you put the pressure on yourself to then always be that person that does that, which is why you don't get into the conversations as well. So it's a bit, you know, of a, a tightrope walk, I guess. This brings us back to the need to be perfect. It's just a habit of our thinking, and it's one that we can let go of if we want to. How about replacing it with the idea of being a learning being, an explorer, someone that tries out many different ideas, questions many different things before choosing one way? So there's something about recognizing it's okay to be quiet and listen. It's okay to contribute, even if you haven't got something that is going to be, you know, world stopping. (laughs) Ground shaking, yeah. (laughs) Ground shaking solution. And there is real value in that quietness and that listening and that reflection. There's real value that I would say every single team needs. But what I love is that you haven't sat back and gone, well, that's just the way I am and people have to take it or leave it. Because the reality is, is, you know, and I'm going to say it again, introverts are communicators. They just communicate in a different way very often. But we also have to learn to communicate with people in the way that they will, they'll want to or expect to be communicated with. So, you know, you can't just sit there and be silent. We're in relationship with people. We have to contribute. Yeah. So my current manager, I write lovely emails, as you might imagine, because I craft them and then I put more of myself into my written communication than I do probably in a, in a conversation. And my last boss was loved those. She said, I love getting emails from you because, you know, they really kind of tell me all what you've been doing and everything else. And my new boss is, no, nah, I don't like emails. <laughs> so having to learn, you know, and she's very similar to me, but an extrovert. So having to learn that maybe what I want to do and how I want to communicate as an introvert is not necessarily how she would want to receive it and finding that gap and what works for, for her as well as for me. So you can't sit there and have that excuse of, well, that's just how I am, here you go, because I'm just going to spend the next couple of years not communicating with my boss if, if that was the case. So you've, you've got to adapt. It's a perfect example. I've got nothing. That is just perfect. <laughs> it's not about sitting there and going, this is who I am. This is about how do we connect with others in a way that works for us and them. I think sometimes um, people hide behind these self-concepts. I'm just shy. I'm introverted. I'm quiet. And, and I will always say to people, well, you can hide behind that. But the reality is, as you just said earlier, I didn't even see the introverts. I only ever saw the extroverts because the introverts were choosing not to make themselves seen. So if we're going to be in relationships with people, if we're going to be in teams with people, we need to show up and communicate but do it in a way that works for us is brilliant. I think um, on, you know, big team meetings where I, I get told I don't have a lot of any, a lot of energy doesn't come off me when I'm communicating, um, which is probably why I don't like big team meetings. But I think it's just using what you do have. So I have people in the team that love kind of showing up and, and giving all the energy. So it's knowing which people to kind of bring in and bring that energy that you don't necessarily bring yourself so knowing which bits you're good at which bits other people it's not all about doing it on your own I know a lot of introverts think about well I'll just do it myself and it's all in my head and one of the biggest things I've learned is you know instead of turning up and thinking I need to be extrovert I need to 
present on this I need to be amazing and dazzling and you know show all this energy and people still going oh yeah no that wasn't that was a bit flat really Sally sorry can you try it again is turn up with the people that are going to add to it don't do it on your own align yourself with people that want to do that kind of thing that want to bring that energy and that really do kind of sparkle when they you know come to life in those situations so it's it's about playing to your core strength you know yeah I was always the person that wanted to present because I love standing on my feet and having an audience and making them think and making them laugh and all the rest of it. But actually, I definitely wasn't the better person to make sure that we dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's and made sure we thought of every eventuality if this happened or that happened. I definitely, my brain didn't go there. Um, So I think it's, and this is a really important lesson, which is being okay with not being the showman. Has that been hard? It is because you think that that's what you have to be. So you see the people that do present and you see them, you know, get promotions and and this is what you have to do when you get to that level. And when you've got the promotion, you'll have to just do it. And that's really hard to live up to that. If you think, well, now I've got a team of 50 people, I have to be in front of them delivering. And yes, you do have to be a leader, but you don't have to be that kind of leader. Um, But I think sometimes the examples are hard to find of other people that lead in the same way because everyone's trying to be that extrovert. I think there's a lot of introverts um, who who will do a a Myers-Briggs test and come out an extrovert um, because they've planned it that way and they've worked towards doing the same thing. So you know, you know think... what's interesting is our our sort of national profile of leadership has shifted from introversion to extroversion with the advent of um, television and media. Yeah. So yeah. when that didn't exist, and when people had to communicate in small meetings or by written letter, um, you know, or radio, interestingly, the profile of leaders was introverted. The, the general profile it's now shifted to extroversion so what we're not saying we're not sitting here saying that introverts never need to extrovert and that's the important thing is introverts can extro- extrovert they can choose to extrovert but it may well take a lot more energy for them to extrovert and they will need to have downtime afterwards to make sure they recover and also they may well need to learn some extra skills so that when they're extroverting, when you do have to present, then you may well do exactly what you do, which is learn what you're going to say, really learn it, embed it so that when you get up there, you're going to do a good job. Yeah, exactly. And um, and you might not enjoy it necessarily even, you know, you might never get to the point where you really enjoy it. It might not be your favourite thing to do, but you will have to do it at some point. So you've got to just find a way of, of doing it to, that works for you. Um, and I think sometimes it's for me, it's just really understanding, you know, the the theory and the, the concepts behind what I'm saying to really. So I might do a ton load of research that I never use even for that presentation, but I know it's in there if I need it. And therefore I feel more comfortable, you know, presenting. So I'm always better in, in presentations where um, I've done so much prep that, you know, any question coming out, I'm not going to be put on the spot and have to think really quickly because I'm just going to know the answer. It's, it's going back to learning the guitar and, and just knowing it's it's being able to just say it without thinking about it. So in those situations, it'll flow a lot better. If I haven't done the prep and I've got to think about my words and think about the subject and think about the audience and everything else, then, yeah, it's not going to go well. <laughs> so there's two things here for me. One is I am a massive advocate of preparing and, and practising. And secondly, I'm a massive advocate of being okay if you don't have the answer. Yeah. 
<laughs> and I wonder and I suspect you maybe need to then spend a little bit more time being yeah. okay if you don't know <laughs> no I like to know the answer but yeah, yeah. I, know, I, I should yeah <laughs> so um Sally thank you for that that's truly truly valuable um so uh time to hear your letter if we may dear Sally your strength is in your quiet determination and that you really listen in your belief in people and the ability to see through the chatter and noise to work out what really matters. You're about to go to university and embark on your career. Stop though, before you let your quietness be drowned out and you start believing that success will only come to an extrovert. Ask yourself why you feel less valued as an introvert before you throw yourself into working so hard at being something you're not and before you use all your energy to be successful at it. Make sure you don't replace your strengths with someone else's. It won't fit comfortably and it won't leave you content. It will always feel like you don't measure up and soon you will forget how to use your real powers. There will be teams of people you are going to work with made up of all different types of characters who need and value the diversity that you bring. So don't mask it. For inspiration, look for those introverted leaders that have real impact. You can achieve that too but only by being yourself. Carve out your communication style, your working patterns, and don't limit your self-development to increasing your volume and your ease at standing in front of audiences. And lastly, and most importantly, don't be afraid to say, no, that just doesn't work for me. You'll be all the happier and better for it and life will be richer. With the confidence this brings, your world will be so much bigger than you are imagining now. Love, Sally. <laughs> love from Sally, Sally that, that's lovely and I do you know I'm I'm gonna give this a big shout out for all the introverts out there so they need to hear that find your own strength find, and I love that and don't adopt other people's perfect if only I'd known <laughs> but you know now uh, yeah. and you can share yes. it with all of these other people absolutely I really really appreciate you taking part in this um honestly I think it, and we see it all the time on our programs. We see people coming in thinking, oh, I'm not sure I fit here. And and I really need them to know we need more. We need them, really. I very, I very nearly did run away, Helka. I very nearly did. <laughs> <laughs> thank God you didn't. <laughs> Sally, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Helka. You've been listening to Extraordinary Unplugged, brought to you by Pixel, our wonderful sponsors, and Ivy House a team on a mission to bring life-changing learning to students, teachers, and corporate organizations. If you know anyone that would benefit from this podcast, please share it. And to hear more, please subscribe. To find out more about Ivy House, you can visit us at ivyhouse.co.uk.